Um, you guys, if you want to turn in your Bibles to chapter or John chapter twenty-one, we're going to uh, we're going to continue on in in John, and you know, here's the last chapter of this book, and it's just been amazing. I think um, we've been in John for it's got to be like eighty-seven years now, and it's just been incredible the whole time. You know, Rory continues to say how it's just like John is just so thick and deep and rich and and man it has been amen like you guys it's just been an incredible book to to learn through and um and so we just really appreciate that and so as we're going to finish this out we won't finish it all today we'll we'll finish it next week potentially but um it's just interesting as i as i read this and you think about it as last week's teaching it could have it could have just ended there like I mean, it was a good closing, it was a good conclusion, and in the last two verses of chapter 20 from last week, he kind of says the same thing in the end of chapter 21. Again, we won't get to today, but it's just like this conclusion. I mean, it, it just, it was, it was a great spot to end right there. And I'll read the last two verses of chapter 20 to kind of get you um, thinking about what I'm talking about here. And it says, And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you, may be, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And so, you know, why didn't, why didn't John stop there? Why, why did he continue on? You know, just prior to that, he was, and we'll talk about it a little more, but he was just talking about, you know, believing and, and, and unbelieving and, and with um, Thomas. And, and I would say, you know, the first hard and fast reason he continued on another chapter. And, of course, back then when they wrote it, there was no chapters or verses, but today it just gives us a reference point of, so we know where we're at. But um, he continued on, you know, obviously the hard and fast reason is because it was the inspired word of God. You know, but what else would there be? Well, you know, why else would he continue? And, and I would say, if we look at the, the last verses there in chapter 20, or that, the, in verse 30 there, where it says, Jesus truly did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, and which are not written in this book. And then, then you go to, to the end of chapter 21 on verse 25 there, where he says as well, and there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were to be written if they were to if they were written one by one i suppose john says that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written so jesus like wants to speak through john he and john wants to continue to talk about this because there's just there's there's one more sign like there's one more thing he could just go on and on and on forever as john says there um but there's, there's another important one to, to talk about here. And I think another reason as well, you guys, is because John loves Peter. It's, it's his buddy. They've they fished together um, prior to Jesus coming and getting them. And, man, where, where is Peter at in this moment right now in, in the, the, the Gospel of John? He's pretty beat up right now. He's not... I mean, he just denied Jesus three times. And, you know, in the midst of that, he's in the, he looks across the courtyard and he even gets eye contact with Jesus as he's denying, denying Christ. And, 
You know, he's also, we know Peter, he was the guy that was saying prior to that, like, I will not deny you. The rest of these guys will deny you, but I will not. And then there he is, you know, he does it. And so he's just, he's beat up and he needs to be lift up. And and this is a message for all of us because we just all fall short of the glory of God. And so John wants to, wants to make sure that we understand this and know this. And he wants, like, he kind of wants to, I don't know, in a way I would say, like, clear Peter's name a little bit. And the reason that would be important is also because as you go from the Gospels, it launches you right into the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, you know, like, who's leading the charge for the first 12 chapters of the book of Acts? Peter is. So if you, if you, had, if you had this other part where Peter denies Jesus and there was nothing else, and then you go into the book of Acts, and now he's leading the church as far as that goes. You need this connecting point, don't we? We need to understand, like, wait, he just, like, this is pretty bad. He really stumbled hard. And then now he's just leading the church. Like, what, there had been something that happened in between. That's why it's, it's so important we have this last chapter of the book, because we get to see how Jesus restores Peter. It's just, it's in a very important part that it gets connected as we move on learning and reading through God's word. So that, that restoration, we need to understand as well, you guys, as in, in knowing these stories and how Jesus comes to Peter, we won't get to today, you know, and just like Jesus reconciles with Peter himself, of just lifting him up because, man, we just, we just fall short. And that can, that can really, sometimes we can be our own worst critic. I know I can. I know... I know a lot of times I don't need to be yelled at because, like, I'm just doing it myself. You know, probably too far, for sure. But there's some, there's some good stuff here that, that can just encourage us in that. And um, what it gets us to is that we just need to understand the importance of having faith and believing in something that we cannot see. Because we don't get to see God. We don't get to see Jesus these days, right? But when we have that faith in something we can't see, it pleases him. If we go back to um, chapter 20 of last week's teaching at the end there where Jesus comes and talks to um, Thomas. I'll read it real quick for you. You don't have to turn there if you don't want. But in um, verse 26 there it says, And after the eight days his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came. The doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your fingers here. Look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have seen and yet have, and have believed. I feel right there like Jesus is giving this a little bit of a reprimand. He's still loving him and saying, man, I'm glad you see me, and yeah, you doubted me and all this stuff until you touched me and felt me, and, and it's awesome that you believe now. But he kind of is like, but you know what would have been better? Is if maybe you would have believed without having to see this stuff. That would have been better. People that do that, People that are following me that didn't get the opportunity to see and touch me, and those people believe, he said, those people are blessed. So it pleases God when we can do that, when we can can just have our faith and believe 
And that's what we're going to talk about today. It's just this faith and believing without being able to see. So let's get into it. John chapter 21, verse 1. And these things Jesus showed himself. (laughs) And after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself to Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana, Cana, something like that, in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, which that is James and John, and two others of his, two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. If we remember back to Matthew chapter 28, Jesus tells them, hey, I'm going to meet you in Galilee. Okay, this, this sea of, or, uh, the Sea of Tiberias is, is the Sea of Galilee, same, same place. And Jesus tells them in Matthew 28, he, he says, like, I will, I'll be waiting for you there, I'll meet you there. And so that's where they're at, the seven of them. They're there waiting. Um, if you've read in the book of Acts at all, you know, like, moving forward past this, they even get to a point, like, they're kind of anxious, waiting for Jesus. He promised he came, but, they, you know, they're, they're listening and they're waiting. And so they're hanging out, and Peter's just like, hey, let's go fishing, you know? And um, Peter's, it just shows us here, like, man, he's a natural leader, right? He just like, they're waiting around, who knows what the conversation was, and he's just like, let's go fishing. And, you know, he's always just kind of just running through walls without kind of getting, checking himself. And Jesus is constantly reminding him of that. But it's, it's still a, it's a good thing that the way God designed him and is going to use him later on and used him leading up to this point as well. But some, as I was studying for this, some would say that, well, Peter shouldn't have done that. You know, he shouldn't have went back to fishing. It was like he was giving up and, and this and that. Um, you know, Jesus called him to be a fisher of men now, no longer a fisherman. And, um, you know, I just personally, I don't, I don't land there. I think... Um, I think what I see in Peter throughout the Gospels and then even afterwards is just that he's a guy that is not passive, right? He's, he's a guy that is, like, he's about action. And so I think that's what we're seeing here. I think, I think he's waiting, but I think he's a man of action. I think he's still waiting on the Lord. He's just like, we can be doing something, though. And maybe he needed... You know, they had to feed some people. You know, I also, I read a deal that um, potentially maybe they, you know, after Jesus was crucified and, you know, maybe some people didn't hear about the resurrection or whatever it was, there was, there was a fair amount of falling away where their support as the apostles kind of dwindled as well. And so potentially maybe, you know, they're like, hey, well, we don't have any money now either because we don't have any help or any support from any of the church, some of the churches or whatever it is. So maybe that's why he, he went started to go, you know, let's go fishing, let's go do this. And then all the guys fell in line with it. And so, like, he's just, he's a guy that's going to go do something instead of just sitting around twiddling his thumbs, which I think is a very important thing. You know, when I think about this, like, things in motion, like, they're just directed better, like things that are moving, oftentimes. Like, you think of a bicycle. Is it easier to sit on a bicycle, just balance, or is it easier once you get pedaling and get going? 
you know, you're just sitting still. It's just easy to fall one way or the other. Um, you know, I think, I think about, and I'm so bummed that uh, Dustin Cloud's not here because I love picking on him. But um, so you guys tell him how I picked on him after this. But it also, it reminds me of a time when uh, Dustin and I were hunting together. And, and uh, we were middle of the day. It was too hot to keep hunting. So we were sitting around his cabin up at their ranch. And <laughs> uh, it, was, it was just this fun stuff we do. So Dustin has a gambling problem. I'm just going to tell you guys that. <laughs> I really wish he was here for this. Anyways, and so he wants to start betting me that who can... Um, walk down this board fence the, the farthest. And uh, it was amazing because he was betting me all his camo, and his camo clothes were way better than mine. And so I'm like, let's do this. And little did you know, like the little town I grew up in, I, all I had as friends was my cousins. It was a little tiny town, and like that's the stuff we did. We literally walked down board fences. And all I'm saying, a board fence is just you have a fence with some two-by slapped to it, vertically so that you're walking down like an inch and a half rail and it kind of helped that i did construction afterwards he anyways he didn't know that i had done this i'm like yeah and if you know dustin all like he's the most athletic dude on the planet so you know he's thinking like oh this is gonna be awesome and i'm thinking no this is gonna be awesome and uh sure enough we get up there and i'm getting off track here but the point is of um, things in motion being able being able to kind of just stay focused and, and staying on track is like once you just get up there and you start walking don't look don't think just walk just keep moving and generally you will you're, you're fine you can just keep walking the second you start slowing down and looking like you're gonna fall one side or the other and i beat him <laughs> and i got all of his camo to his belt so he needs to work on his gambling problem. I need to work on my humility because I really want you guys to know that I beat the super freak that is an athletic machine, okay? I did. But, hey, I'm showing you my weakness. I need to repent of that, and, and um, I need to move on from work on being humble, maybe. Anyways, you guys get my point, right? Like, being busy, being, and I don't mean busy just to be busy. We're talking about for the Lord here. Um, like, just... Being active, being moving. So, like, we're, we're going and we're not falling this way, we're not falling this way. Like, it's towards the Lord. It's going. And so, I lost my place here. So, as Christians, we all should agree that we're waiting for Jesus to come back. We're waiting for the day when no more of this garbage, no more of this sin and junk. Jesus is going to save the world. He's the Savior. And... Um, we're excited about that. So we're waiting on the Lord today the same way they were waiting for Jesus to come as he sent them to Galilee. And, um, but as we're waiting for the Lord, you guys, we're, we're active. We don't hold up in our house. Even, like, even we don't just hold up in our house with our Bible and, and praying by ourselves and just stay all to ourselves, just hiding. We don't do that. It would go against Scripture. The theme verse of um, the book of Acts is in chapter 1, verse 8, where he says something along the lines of, like, I will empower you with the Holy Spirit to go and tell the world, in Joe's terms. And so that's what he calls us to do. He calls us to go and tell the world. 
Yes, we're waiting for Jesus, but if we want to stay on that board fence and beat Dustin, like we've got to, like we're moving and we're, we're an active, we're an active Christian we, and we're, our business is about the Lord while we're waiting for him to come back. And so I believe that's what Peter and, and them are doing. You know, when I, uh, I first started going to Calvary Chapel, um, there, uh, this really old 40 year old pastor, his last name is Rogers. You guys don't know him. He, uh, he came out to the ranch. I remember one day and, and he was listening to me talk. And it, it's funny because y- you hear it when people are just on the fence and they're not quite ready to give their life to Christ. It's kind of the same old country song, really. And I'm giving him this country song and, you know, and he's just patiently, lovingly just listening to me. And I know he's thinking like, you don't know what you're talking about. And, I, and he was right. And I just remember him saying, and it seems super simple, but it just come to my mind when I think about being about the Lord's business is in everything that we do and waiting on the Lord is he said like, Joe, when you're, when you're fixing fence out here, he's like, do it for the Lord. You're out here by yourself. No one knows what does it, but just do it for the Lord. Everything you're doing, do it for Jesus. And that seems silly, but like you can think about it. It doesn't matter what your job is. Like your life, if he's the Lord of your life, that means he's the controller, he's the king. He like, like you're running everything through him before you're doing anything. Like that's, he's like, do it for the Lord. And so I think about that and I think about Peter and I think that's what, that's what was going on here. Moving on to verse three. Oh, so at the end of verse 3, sorry, um, it says, uh, that night they caught nothing, right? Just for a little insight, as far as the fishing goes and fishing at night back in that time, they fished at night because the, um, the, they would have their nets in the water and the fish couldn't see their nets. It was, just, it was a better way to fish. And, um, and so that's why they would fish at night. And then also... You know, like they would have all of their, the stuff they caught to take in to sell it, you know, because that's how it was back then. You just worked to live. And they would have fresh fish to bring in the mornings when the marketplaces would open. And another, another thing they would do is they would put, um, oh, like their Coleman lanterns, you know, a torch or whatever up. And the, the light would also attract the fish in. And that's why it was the most effective time to be fishing. So it's nighttime. They're fishing. And it says here that they caught nothing. And if you look it up in the Greek or Hebrew or English or any language, the word nothing means absolutely nothing. Zero. But it's important to think about that as we move on, that they caught nothing. It was, you know, God is a sovereign. God is in control of every moment of our lives, and they caught nothing. So in verse 4, it says, But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. You know, in the early mornings, when it's, I mean, the sun, you can't even see the sun yet, but it's just breaking daylight. There's this moment where you can see, but you can't see. Like I think about, um, I love to hunt. When I'm up hunting, I go and I, I sleep up in the mountains under a tarp. And so I'm out there with them early before daylight. And I'm ahead of the other hunters in my mind and all these things. And, I, and I, it always happens. You're out there, you're really getting a head start and it's dark. And you can see an outline of something. And you're like, oh, what is that? But then if you look right at it, you can't really see it. But if you kind of look past it, I don't know if any of you have noticed this. If you look past it, like your peripheral vision will kind of pick it up. And then you're like, oh, I can see it. And so and it, it really works. I, I couldn't un- 
give you the reason why that works. But this is kind of the, the same scenario. It's that point of the morning, you know, the, they see this guy on the, on the shore, and it's Jesus, and he shows up. And, um, but they just they can't tell that it's him. They can just see an outline of a guy um, sitting there. And so it goes on to say that Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? This is a common question between fishermen. Hey, how was the catch today? Oh, no good. Or, yeah, we caught a lot. Or we were using this bait or whatever. The one-armed fisherman, you know, like, oh, I caught one this big. We've all heard that one. You know, and, and so it was a common question that they get from this guy. And, and just making the point of they, they just don't realize who it is. And so they answer to him, no, they haven't caught anything. And so Jesus goes on to say in verse 6, he says, um, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So these boats they used back then were about seven and a half feet wide, just a little, not much longer than my wingspan here. And they're like 27 foot long. And so they've been fishing all night, catching nothing. Doing, they're, they're professional fishermen. They know what they're doing. Catching nothing. And the guy yells from the bank, hey, throw it seven and a half feet on the other side from where you had it, and you're going to catch something. And they're probably thinking like, this far from where it just was, why, why would that matter? But, you know, it, just, it doesn't really make sense, but, you know, that's what Jesus says to do. And so they do it, you know, and they're just thinking about, well, we've got nothing to lose. We haven't caught anything. We're going we're gonna to throw it on that side. And so it says that when they cast it, now they were not able to draw, in it, draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Now it seems interesting I would say Jesus giving fishing advice. He's a carpenter by trade. He, you know, he grew up under um, Joseph. This, his dad was a carpenter. And, um, but I enjoyed thinking about that because it's Jesus. He created fish. He created how they swim, how they eat, how they hunt, whatever it is. Like He's actually the perfect guy to get that information from. You know, he... He just created everything. And I just, you guys, like Jesus is, he's created all things. Everything. We need to listen to Jesus when he says, move your net seven and a half feet. See what will happen. He knows about banking. He knows about ranching. He knows about, like, he created all of it. We can trust him in that. You know, when you jump back to, to verse 5 there where he asked the, the question, children, have you, you know, do you have any food? Why did he ask that question? I think he asked that question because he needs to get them to a place where they're ready to admit their failure. He's, he needs to get them to a spot of just humbly saying like, yeah, I'm a professional fisherman, I took a little time off following Jesus, but I still, I know what I'm doing, but I didn't catch anything. To draw closer to Jesus, don't we have to do that? We have to, we just have to humble ourselves to say, like, yeah, I'm, without Christ, everything's a wreck. You know, my choices are, are no good. Things don't go good when I'm on my own, doing it myself. Uh, John here and I have been blessed to be able to work with a guy here lately and just maybe the Lord be using us to help this guy that's having some problems and, and going through a bunch of stuff and 
we talk with him and meet with him and and um you know he's just it's you guys probably know people like this that are just like a lot of destruction in the past i mean that was a lot of my my testimony as well but a lot of this destruction that they're just packing around with them and they want out of it and they want to stop but they just you know they just they're missing the point of like trying jesus instead of all these other things and so um like we just get to talk with him and just plead with him of like okay I, like he, john says it well he's like are you, are you ready to fire yourself a manager of your own life and it's just it's just been man like if we feel like we're helping this guy and i just every time i think about this and i just the this guy's helping me the lord is using us to help him and it's just helping me because you think of these things of like stop being a sinner you're, you're, this is your sin struggle whatever just stop it just stop it well those of us that feel the conviction of the Lord, if we could stop it, we, we would stop it. So it's, it's just silly for us to say, just stop sinning. Stop doing that stuff. Stop drinking. Stop doing drugs. Stop it. If they could, they would. If we could, we would, wouldn't we? Don't, I mean, man, if you don't feel convicted over your wickedness, I pray for you. Because it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. You know, we get to draw closer to the Lord and, and figure out how to finally whip this thing that's whipping us. And John says it well all the time, too, uh, when we meet with this guy. You know, the, how does he say? He says, like, the problem isn't, or the problem is you can't stay stopped outside of Christ. And so that's where Jesus is trying to get these guys to this point of saying, like, we've caught nothing. On our own, we've got nothing, right? Now he's got something to work with. Now he's got someone pliable and ready to go, to ready to lift them up. You know, Jesus, I feel like it's his famous quote as you go through the Gospels, is he always starts with, repent and be baptized. Repent and do this. It's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. It's an amazing thing. He calls us to do that so that we can get to this point of knowing we need a Savior. We had a new family member um, come to, uh, to the ranch this, this week for church. And same kind of a deal, just a life of problems and destruction and all this stuff. And just getting to share the gospel with him yesterday morning as we had him stuck in the tractor with me. He couldn't go anywhere. And I was like, perfect time. I dare you to jump out of this. And um, in the same kind of a deal, you know, and he's like, well, you know, I'm just not ready to give my life to the Lord yet or whatever. And it's kind of, the, if you guys pay attention, it's kind of the same old story, really. And, um, and it just was to, to this, this situation of like, well, look, like, man, our way hasn't been working, has it? I'm just encouraging you, like, how about this Jesus thing? How about trying that way? You're out nothing. You lose nothing by doing that. Let's try it. So we need to humble ourselves, you guys. It's okay, and it's a good thing to admit our failures to Christ, to admit our failures to each other. That's community. That's what God calls us to do. These home groups, I don't know about your guys, but man, they're amazing. I love them. Like, starts out, people are pretty quiet, you know, and then pretty soon they're talking a little more, and then pretty soon they're talking a little more, and pretty soon they're, hey, I need you to pray for me for this. I need you to pray for me for that. Like, that's God's design and His community, and it's amazing incredible so he calls us to do that so again in verse 6 he tells them to cast the net to the right side they do it and then 
they pull in all these fish that they can't even they can't even get it onto the boat. I heard a pastor as I was studying, listening to a bunch of different guys, I heard a pastor say it like this when he's talking about this moment of that happening. And he says, there's a difference between doing something on your own versus being directed by the Lord. And the difference is results. That's true. The difference is results. The difference between success and failure was the width of the boat. That was the difference. I feel like that's powerful for us, each and every one of us. No matter, like, we, we grew up in the church and we didn't go through a bunch of crazy stuff growing up, or we did, and, you know, it doesn't matter. It's still just this, this obedience and just, like, leaning on the Lord and trusting the Lord and believing in something we can't see that is a better choice in a better way than our way. You know, the difference was also... Man's doing versus Jesus is doing in this catching the fish from the left side to the right side of the boat. You know, competence and obedience, right? Those are, those are important things in life. But what is it if Jesus isn't first? If it's not, Jesus, how do I do this? What do I do? What should I do? And then, like, then he leads us to put your net over here. And then... He blesses a lot of us with this competence and obedience. It's a gift from him so that we can be used tremendously by the Lord when we're obeying and listening to him. Being directed by the Lord needs to just be the the first thing. Then we can truly enjoy the results. And the results are him being glorified, him being magnified, We're just this reflection of Christ. Verse 7, moving on here. Uh, Therefore, therefore that the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, that's John, by the way, just announcing he's loved by God. Um, John says, it's the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garments for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. John's a thinker. We saw it when they had the foot race to the tomb, and he kindly enough told us he beat Peter there. He stops before he goes in. Peter just goes running in through there like, Whoa, like tells me, what's going on? What's happening here, right? But we'll see how that, like that, and Peter is awesome. But John's this thinker. You know, he's methodical. And I think also he used my hunting trick to look at the thing, but not directly look at the thing, to realize it was Jesus. And he just, he tells everybody on the boat, like, it's the Lord. I'm going to take you to Luke chapter 5 real quick, because this should be ringing a bell, this, this story of fishing and, and not catching something, and, and then the Lord comes and they catch something. And I'll read it to you here. It says in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of just just sin of something. Same lake, by the way, the Sea of Galilee. And saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into the one boat, one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put it out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. 
When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let us uh, let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your words, we'll do it, preacher, whatever you say. We'll, we'll go back out here and fish if you want to go fishing. And when the, they had let down this, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets were breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both of the boats so that the, they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down to Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. The point of that is John, like, it's, it's clicking to John faster than everybody else. He's like, oh, I remember doing this prior. I remember this happening. It was only, you know, it, it was only just a while ago. This happened. He's like, that's got to be the Lord. He's like, instant, he just has this faith and belief. He just knows that's the Lord. And so he was quick to remember that. God can do these things. How else do we explain these things? These things that happen to us that are amazing and good, and we and we we see like it's the Lord, like that should be our default as well. In our as we talk, like it, that's it's the Lord, it's the Lord. If you guys know Dustin Cloud, how else can you explain that I beat him? <laughs> it's the Lord, guaranteed. He, one time I told him if we were in high school playing football against each other, I'd beat him. And he just laughed at me and walked away. I was just like, I ain't fooling him at all. Anyhow, uh, so yeah, the other part of this, verse 7, I love it. This makes me laugh. You know, the same old Peter running through walls, doing stuff. Um, in the middle of that verse, it says, now when Simon Peter heard this, like he finally was like, oh, we've seen this guy. Who is it? And like, oh, that's the Lord. Like, that's the Lord, you know? And so he just puts on his coat because he, you know, probably had it off and they're rowing the boat and they're fishing and stuff. And um, I read some stuff. Sounds like he was probably in his skivvies and he didn't want to be in front of Jesus in his skivvies. I wouldn't mind. He's God. He knows. But he, um, so he just, he just puts on his coat and it was probably wool back then. You guys know what happens when a big woolly sheep jumps in a lake? (laughs) To the bottom. But this is Peter, right? Like he puts on this coat, it's probably wool. And he, he just dives in and he just, like, man, I wish I wouldn't have put this coat on. This is terrible. This is so heavy right now. But he does it. Like he's just like, what I love about it, you guys, is Peter, like it, no matter how he screws up, his default is like run to the Lord. It really is. And that is just such encouragement for us as, you know, new believers, old believers, like there's just, some people have a hard time trusting the Lord. They just have a hard time like, I'm going through this, I'm going through that, it's, it's so hard, whatever, I just, how can I trust this guy? He's supposed to be this all-loving God and, and I'm going through bad stuff. Man, just like Peter, just like jump in with way too much wool on and just swim and that's not in your own strength, your own power. That's not what I'm saying. Jesus does that, the fixing when you get to him and all that stuff. It's just this point of, of like, I'm just jumping in. I'm just jumping. And I'm just going to trust. I'm going to believe in this thing that I can't see. I can't feel. I don't, I don't get to touch the holes in his hands. 
But this is a foundation of belief that doesn't waver. All these other things, they will waver, they will go away, but Jesus hasn't. He won't. He is the Savior. I think about this too, you guys. Instantly, the first time I read this, I'm thinking of Peter doing this, jumping in. And don't you guys think of Forrest Gump? When he's on his boat and it's going along, he hasn't caught anything, and he looks at Lieutenant Dan's on the dock. That's Lieutenant Dan! And he just starts waving and runs off of the boat. And the boat just continues on and crashes to these other boats. That's literally what I was thinking of the second I read this. I love Peter. I love him. Okay, let's get serious. Let's go on. Verse 8. But the other disciples came in, came in the little boat, for they were not far from land in about 200 cubits, which is about 100 yards, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Yeah, I'll keep reading. Uh, Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land full of large fish, 153, and although there was so many, the net was not broken. So he gets there ahead of them swimming. The guys show up on the boat way less tired, and they have all these fish. And Jesus is sitting there, and he's got breakfast ready. And this, I, w- I would not stand up here and just like press this as a hard and fast rule, but I do think it's a pretty good one that I personally enjoy of like, man, starting your mornings with Jesus. I mean, it sets the tone for the day. I mean, it really does. I'm not saying bad stuff doesn't come at you, but man, when, when, when you start your day with Jesus and you start in the Word and you start with prayer and you're trusting and believing in this thing you can't see or touch, and the wave after wave of the world and the day is coming at you, Man, you got a little more strength, don't you? You got a little bit more where you're just like, no, I praise the Lord for this, or I trust God's plan in this, or it doesn't have to go my way. Just humility. I mean, that gets you through a lot when the Lord just gets you to a point of that. And so just you show up to the beach, start your morning with Jesus. Jesus is sitting there, and he's, he's got fish and bread. And that's my favorite breakfast I'm sure, I'm sure they had great seasoning back then too. But that's what they ate. You know, it was awesome. Jesus did it. And so there he is. And he says to them, he says, bring, in verse 10 there, he says, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Does Jesus need the fish they caught? No, he already has breakfast ready. He doesn't need it. Did they have any fish before Jesus said, throw your net over here? No, like it's because of him they brought the fish. And he's like, bring me your fish. What does this tell us? Look, he doesn't need us. He doesn't need our help. He doesn't need our resources and all, the, and our, all this stuff. But he calls us to bring it to him and give it to him. Like he blesses us with things. But we have to remember, like Rory always says, we're a distribution center. We take it in and we throw it out. We take it in, we throw it out, and it's for God and his glory. It keeps us humble. It keeps us pointing to Jesus. And so he doesn't need more fish. He doesn't need it. But he's like, bring it to me. I want you guys to bring the resources I bless you with. And I want to use you and those resources to go out and continue Acts chapter 1, verse 8. 
And so when Peter, you know, he, he got a little break there and caught his breath from the swim, and so he goes over and he grabs, he grabs the fish. This is, how I, this is how I manage a ranch too. I let the guys do all the work and then I take all the glory. It's a great way to do things. So he goes over and he grabs the fish and they say that like with all these fish, 153 fish and they're large fish and with the net and everything, it would be about like 300 pounds. And so he goes and lugs it all over there, drags it over to him. And Jesus says, come and eat, uh, come and eat breakfast, verse 12. Yet not, none of the disciples dare ask him, who are you? knowing that it was the Lord. Don't you feel like at this point, like, it's just like the, the disciples are following Jesus and they're, but they're still always like, kind of like on the fence of asking him, like, should you be doing that? Should, you know, you shouldn't be going there. Jesus, what are you thinking? All these things. And it's like they're finally, they're getting it. They're just like, we don't dare ask. Like, we know this is the mamma jamma we've been talking about and hanging out with. And so they don't ask him. They don't say, who are you? They trust and know that it's him. And Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. Jesus meets us when we are running to him. He meets us. He feeds us. So the worship team can come on up as we close here. In the last verse we're going to hit on today, Um, You know, this is now the, in verse 14, this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. He's just continuing to leave this historical book of how we know history happened, of people being there, writing it down so that we know it happened. He continues to do that. So in closing, what what did we, uh, what did we learn about today, you guys? We learned you know, and, and it was more from last week's teaching, but it, it full, goes right in here of, um, you know, Thomas doubting and, and then he believes when he gets to see and how the Lord just encourages us to believe and it pleases him when, when we believe and we don't get to see him. We just trust him. We, uh, we, we got to see today how, man, Peter needed to be restored and it was worth writing a whole other chapter of, the, of this book. And how important it is we need to be restored all the time, every day, continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And we need to be actively waiting. We don't just sit around like we're running down the fence. We're moving, telling people about Jesus while we're waiting for him to come back and, and be the hero and king that he is. Humility, admitting our, our failures, like how that is just a good thing and it grows us closer to the Lord. We let Jesus lead us first and then we use the gifts he gives us of obedience and competence. Let's pray, you guys. Father God, we just come before you in prayer, Lord. We're just so thankful for this morning. Thankful that you would just bring us in after a, you know, just a, maybe a busy week, a busy weekend for sure of just Christmas and, and time with families, Lord. And just thank you so much for the Christmas Eve service, God. I just am, uh, you know how simple-minded I am, so I'm just so thankful to get to think about you as a child and being brought up as a child the way we bring up our children. Just talking with my brother-in-law about that, Lord, of just how, how fun it would, funny it would have probably been to be a, a fly on the wall of, of just um, you being God as a kid and 
and um, the conversations that would be like with parents, Lord. But we thank you for that. We thank you for your message. God, would you do this work in us, Lord, the restoring that you just did in Peter, and Lord, and just the way that all the disciples got to see the restoring you did. Man, that lifted them up as well. We can trust that, God. And so we thank you for our testimonies and, and just using us because it's the same thing, God. Use us. We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen.